Good morning, everyone. And also to those who dial in this morning from uh, your respective home. Uh, I'm thankful to God for this opportunity to share His Word. And this time I stand before you, I'm, I'm humbled yeah, to be able to, to share His Word. And I know just like you, um, I, I continue to look forward to hearing His Word. And today's lesson is as much a lesson for me as it is to, to each of you. I, I like to start by giving you a scenario. Yeah. Now, you, you have just received an envelope for it to you, delivered to you, Mark, you know, Urusan Sri Paduka Baginda. And it was a card, right, inviting, to, uh, inviting you to join the king, the Agong, for a feast. And you are to be his special guest. And your seat is reserved for you. You were pleasantly surprised. In fact, you are caught by surprise. You wonder what brought this on. Um, you know what it meant. You have also learned that you'll be receiving an award, a title, an honorific, which you can put before your name, and the abbreviation of which after your name. It is a recognition. For your many years of service, you know, to the country. Service that you did your part in nation building like everyone else. But what did you do that makes it special? Really, you thought, you know, you were just doing your job. In fact, there were times that you complained. There were times when you lamented about how tough life is. You know, or how unfair you have been treated. You didn't expect to be recognized or honored. And thus, you were unsure as to what to do. You wanted to go. You know, it's a special invitation, of course, and you feel special, but you are unprepared. Unprepared for the event because of the attire that you, the dressing that you must have, the manner of entrance and, and your conduct, the protocols. And of course, all the unfamiliar people around you. What if you make a fool of yourself? No. It, it must be a practical joke that someone is playing you know, on you. In fact, you're right. This just isn't real. It is a made-up story. Real life is so much more different. To be invited, to be seated at the king's table, yeah, to receive recognition, deserving of honor, you must have done something really special, deserving of such mention, not just a simple act of service like what you and I have given to the nation. The king has more important matters to do. Now reflect. Reflect upon this instead. The king of kings, our God, the God of heaven, giving you an invitation and assigning you a seat with Christ, who is at his right hand, in his palace, the place where there is an abundance of blessings, and you know, we are told lots of treasure as well, where love, grace, and mercy abound. And that invitation is not just for a feast, not just for a day, but for eternity. It lasts on and on. In fact, 
you are invited to be a joint heir with Christ and you will share in his inheritance. You do not have to worry about your dressing, how you got to how you will you need to conduct yourself because you already have been taught all, all the days when when you read his word, you just have to act your natural self. And you'll be given permanent citizenship, sharing in Jesus' riches, enjoying a life without pain, without fear, without sorrow, without labor or toil, and they are all yours to enjoy forever. You have worked hard most of your life. Yeah? So you do not understand quite what it means by a place where there is no toil and labor. A life without work, a life without suffering. You just can't believe it, isn't it? Do you deserve it? How could this be? You tell yourself, you know. But that's not all God says. You will be received by Jesus himself. And you will not be in the company of strangers. Many of your friends, your faithful friends will be there. And those who died before you, the prophets, the apostles, the men, men of faith. You are given a special title, Son of God. You will now enjoy a personal relationship with the Father. And everyone there enjoy a similar status. And all your past wrongs, all your sins are forgiven. And you do not have to bear the guilt of your sin anymore. Neither your past mistakes. How does it sound to you? Is it worth your faithfulness or your service to the Lord? The Bible says that our God is trustworthy. He does not lie. He has promised us the crown of life and rewards in heaven. All these are ours to enjoy if we obey Him. Because Christ has paid the price. We have been redeemed. Jesus has sacrificed His life that today we may be able to enjoy these wonderful blessings. And what an honour it will be. So if we can understand the significance of an earthly king's invitation, of how much more significant will our heavenly father's or heavenly king's invitation be? So today I did this introduction because I want for us to understand, to appreciate the significance of being seated with Christ. And there's one more important point that I need to, for us to, to take note of. And that is the position and the authority of Jesus. We have heard many times, and we know, you know, and can repeat it by heart, Jesus is the Son of God. And that is an awesome position, isn't it? In that Jesus gave up everything that he had, that he enjoyed in heaven, to come down and to suffer as a man, and ultimately paying a cruel a, a, a price for it, the cruel death on the cross. The love that he manifested and the sacrifice that he underwent we're all deserving of our devotion because he's not an ordinary man. He was in more ways than one special and a divine being. The Messiah was promised to us to be the Holy One. Psalm 16, 10. And since no man on earth is righteous before God, God himself had to come into the world as a human. And so this morning I want to start, start with refreshing our memory of who Jesus is 
what does the Bible say? Or who does the Bible say Jesus is? First, he is God in the flesh. John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus himself declared that I and the Father are one. The Jews tried to stone, stone Jesus. Isn't it? They claimed that he was blasphemous because he, being a mere man, is declaring or claiming to be God. John chapter 10, verse 33. They understood Jesus' statement when he says, you know, that I and my Father are one. Right? And Jesus did not try to correct them when they say that he is teaching blasphemy. He considered himself to be equal with God. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus claimed pre-existence. And he says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. And there are many other biblical verses that point to Jesus as God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1. We know that by heart, right? Jesus saying that the word, or rather, the, also John saying that the word was God. And in verse 14, right, that word became flesh. And Thomas, Thomas the disciple, when he discovered that it was the resurrected Jesus, he made the statement, my Lord and my God. John chapter 20, verse 28. The Apostle Paul described Jesus as our great God and Savior. And Peter calling Jesus our God and Savior as well. The Old Testament prophecy, such as Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, announced the deity of Jesus, right? That this child that is going to be born is a son, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In John chapter 18, verse 33, Pilate asked Jesus whether he is king of the Jews. In verse 36 to 37, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would I shall not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to Jesus, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. Jesus affirmed that statement. He says that for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Just before his ascension into heaven, Jesus declared that all authority has been given to me on heaven as well as on earth. In heaven as well as on earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Paul confirmed Jesus' power. Right? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, he says that Jesus, who being in the form of man, did not consider himself robbery to be equal with God. And he continued in verse 9 to 10, he says that therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth. So last week, Brother Chang Kun spoke about kneeling before God. In this verse, God is telling us to also be reverent 
and to bow at the name of Jesus. For God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name. This is the name that we now carry today as Christians. And we are invited to be with him when our time comes for us to leave this fleshly body. So what does it mean to be in Christ? So often we hear of the benefits of being in Christ. So much so we may fail to understand the preciousness of our special benefits. Brethren, we must not trivialize this matter. We are indeed privileged, and it is for real. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27 gives us an insight, an insight into the phrase in Christ and what it means. For the verse says that for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. To be in Christ means we are children of God. To be in Christ is to enjoy an inseparable love with God. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. And here it says that nothing, nothing on this world or away from this world, whether it's principalities or power, things past or things to come, shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ you are redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin or our trespasses. And it's only in Christ is our sin or our debt cancelled and our relationship with God restored. And we have this privilege of being spiritually alive. In Christ, you have become a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, you are justified before God and the righteousness of God in Christ is imputed to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Yeah? For God has made him who know no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God no longer sees our imperfection. He sees the righteousness of his own son. And we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places as a result. And we are no longer condemned. In Christ, we have eternal life despite being deserving of death for our sins. Romans 6, 23. Our eternity is secure. And we can look forward to spending eternity in the presence of God and enjoy a life of peace and blessedness incomparable to what we have on earth. What great and precious gifts following our baptism and our faithfulness. We have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And we must not downplay our privileges or take them for granted. Indeed, our understanding of the gains are often marked, marked by our lack of knowledge and our vision of what is good and useful. Perhaps they are numb because of our suffering and unbelief of that which can be. We emphasize too much on the things that are tangible and visible to our eyes in front of us rather than the things that are invisible and eternal. 
but brethren, the gains and blessings are real. They are given by our God, a God who loves and a God who cares. And our God does not lie. He has given us an exceedingly great and precious promise. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4, to 4, yeah, the scripture says that His divine power has given us all things that, pertaining, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who calls by glory and virtue. And it goes on to say, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world today. We are promised to be partakers of His divine nature. What really is this promise of being a partaker of God's divine nature? That includes His love, His grace, His holiness, His mercy, His righteousness, all His good characteristics. And God has given us all these things, all things that pertain to life, and all things that pertain to godliness, so that we do not have to live a life in defeat. God has called us to glory and virtue. And He has given us an exceedingly great and precious promise. In fact, not just one, but lots of promises because Jesus has redeemed us and we today escape the condemnation on escape the consequences of our sins and the corruption of the world. Included in these promises are the enjoyment of heaven as our home. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5 to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. No one has seen heaven. No one has gone to heaven and come back to share with us what heaven is like, except for Jesus who came from there. John chapter 3, verse 13. But the Apostle John was given a vision. He was given an understanding and he shared with us of what heaven is like. In the book of Revelation, John uses apocalyptic words, languages that you know, are figurative to, to describe what heaven is like. But because of this language, it is difficult for us to figure out exactly Right? What he's talking about, unless we have a firm grasp of the Old Testament uh, knowledge. And as a result, we are often careful or cautious in making applications from the book of Revelation. We do, however, know that heaven is a place where we all want to be when we leave this world. A place of eternal rest in the presence of God our Father and Jesus our Saviour. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul declares that the suffering of this present time, they are not worthy or not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And 
In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, Paul continued to comfort us that our light affliction, if we are suffering, is but for a moment. And this light affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The glory, the beauty and the splendor of heaven cannot be quite explained in words. And Revelation uses, among other things, precious gems to depict its beauty. The street of heaven is described as made of gold, like trans transparent glass, and the tree of life is in its midst. These awaits us, right? They awaits us an eternal inheritance of immeasurable glory. And this heavenly inheritance is undefiled, it is pure, it is untainted by sin, and it is unfading. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, says that eyes has not seen, nor ears heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That which we have not seen, which God has prepared, include heaven for us. And it brings about a certain expectation. Jesus says that he has gone to prepare a place for us. And he will come back to receive us unto himself. And Paul assures us that to die is gain. So many, many of the scriptures in the Bible, and we have just today touched a little bit, Describe heaven as a place that we should long to go. Yeah? All the positives is revealed. Even if it's in figurative terms, for many of us, the attraction of heaven may not be so much in the treasures. Yes, heaven is beautiful, there are a lot of treasures. But I think for many of us, the attraction of heaven is the absence of suffering. God says that He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for this, the former thing, has passed away. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And this is because we see suffering around us. In this life, we experience them ourselves. Oftentimes, quietly. For some of us, I believe, when we look forward, to heaven, we are looking forward to the day that we will not suffer anymore. We cease to suffer when our body will not fail us any longer, and where God will wipe away every tears and every pain away, and we shall enjoy eternal rest rest from our labor, less from our toil, from pain and sorrow and death. Heaven is a beautiful place and is special to be enjoyed by those who put on Christ and continue to live a faithful life. Here, we enjoy the reward that is referred often to as the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, or the crown of glory. A crown, signifying conferment of an award. Upon the winning of a race, the winning of a battle, or being recognized for doing something special. Today's topic is to be seated with Christ, our Lord Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is the worthy Lamb. The book of Revelation tells us that Jesus is alive today and He is on His throne. It foretells 
what Christians can look forward to when their life on earth is over. The resurrected Jesus is waiting to receive us. In Revelation chapter 5, John saw a scroll held by the right hand of God. And an angel asking who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seal. In verse 7, only the Lamb was able to do so. And in verse 8, the creatures, the four creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb and they sang a new song. And among which he is saying that in, 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 in the song that they sing, the lyrics, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal before the Lamb. Yeah? What has the Lamb done? For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. The scripture continues, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them were thousands of words, 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all of them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 to 13. We also read, Paul by inspiration concerning Jesus as being seated at the right hand of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, right? God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Not only is Jesus seated at God's right hand, we are also promised to sit together with him, to enjoy the exceeding riches of his grace. And that was read to us by Brother Kelvin just a while ago. Right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, God makes us alive together with Christ and raises us up together and makes us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What great love, what great promises, and what generosity. We will be made kings and priests to our God. And He has redeemed us from the cruel punishment of hell. Paul, Paul made a significant portion, sorry, Peter made a significant portion of his the, the, the sermon during Pentecost. And he, he has this to say in Acts chapter 2, verse 33 to 36. He says that, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. 
For David did not ascend into heaven, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. We are given an inheritance jointly with Christ. Christ's inheritance is the whole world, the whole universe, all that is in existence. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, uh, verse 2, it says that the Son has been appointed heir over all things. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17, Paul wrote, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so, Paul is saying, since we share in the suffering of Christ, we shall now share in his glory. As co-heirs or as joint heirs. And the term heirs emphasize a relationship between the Father and the Son, God and us. And because we are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, we are no longer slaves, but sons. And if son, an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. The Greek word or the term translated as in modern English in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, refers to those who receive their allotted possession by sonship. In other words, because God has made us his children, his son and daughters, we have the full right to receive his inheritance. And for this reason, Paul says that he considered that the suffering of this present world are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed in us. What a blessed assurance. We are to be beneficiary of what He has prepared for us. And we can inherit heaven and all that are in it with Jesus Christ, who has made us a co-beneficiary. And so we can eagerly await Await with earnest expectation of this hope, which though unseen, is nevertheless real. So, brethren, where do you prefer to spend your eternity? For many of us, whether we are healthy or weak, right, the current COVID-19 pandemic has brought to realization that unexpectedly raised the specter of death even if most of the time people may choose to ignore it. Hebrew 9.27 is so real today, so close to us. There's no escaping the appointment. And we do well to prepare for the time when we, our turn will come, when we have to say farewell to this world. You know, we sing the song, This world is not our home. And the Bible tells us that we are not of this world. Jesus, in his prayer to God, 
says in John chapter 17, verse 15 to 16, says, Jesus says that they, as in his followers, are not of the world any longer than I am in the world. My prayer is that you, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 5 says that we shall go to our eternal home. So whether we are ready or not, whether we want to or not, whether we believe or not, whatever the view that we have individually, death and separation from this world will take place and destiny will beckon. It is no respecter of men, poor, rich, strong, poor or rich, strong or weak, you know, whatever we, we, situation we are in, death will, will continue to take place. And as our physical body weakens and fails, we are no longer want to hang on to this life and more and more, we want to be free from our suffering. So it is wise for us to consider and to find out what eternity holds for us. And one good resource is the Bible. It tells us that we have a choice to choose heaven or to choose hell. On the one side is rest. On the other is restlessness. And it's not a place to be in at all. They will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Sometimes you hear from someone, you know, when you talk about the destiny, he says, I just do not care. If it has to be, it has to be. I think this statement is made without careful consideration of the consequences. I, I think this is a foolhardy statement. It's a foolhardy point of view. We are not talking about a brief moment or a short period of time, but we are talking about eternity. And we will do ourselves a disservice to refuse consideration of what lies ahead because there is sufficient knowledge that has been revealed to us of what the future holds. Today, some of us may be experiencing challenges, difficulties in life, and suffering silently. It could be our work, our health, our family, our relationship, spiritual, mental, or physical. Things that don't seem to go our way very well. Perhaps among those listening, there may be some who are contemplating returning to the ways of the world to deal with issues of life. Because you feel that your prayers have not been answered. Pain is about you and you are unable to feel God's goodness in your life, I urge you to stay strong, to remain steadfast. Like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, isn't it? Our light affliction is but for a moment, and they are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Working for us. A phrase as in preparing us Building us into someone stronger. Like an athlete who is preparing for a race, sometimes he has to work very hard and suffer. Sometimes our weaknesses is preparing us to be better people. 
equipped for God's purpose or to empathize with others who are suffering, to be comforter to them of those in need, or to be stronger in the Lord, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9-10. Paul says, I'd rather boast in my infirmities in that the power of God may rest in on me. And so he takes pleasure in his infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. And he makes a statement say, For oh, when I'm weak, then I am strong. God's strength is made perfect in Paul's weaknesses. Life will have a share of challenges and suffering. This world, we know, is not our home. It cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed. And so the Bible encourages us to persevere, to fight the good fight of faith. We all yearn for a better place where all suffering will come to an end. There will be no more. The eternal rest that our Lord promised is not here, but in heaven. And Jesus has overcome the ultimate, which is death, and with it all pain and suffering. I'll say that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth our infirmities, our persecution, our distresses, and all that, you know, that comes with us being faithful to Christ. If there is a price that we need to pay, we, the price is worth it. Heaven is worth it. The Bible says that God will not forsake us. So brethren, today's sermon is intended to prepare us to be firmly placed in the Lord, which is a theme for this month. We have a blessed hope of sitting with Jesus. And this knowledge itself should encourage us to be strong, to remain focused, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our toy is not in vain. Are you in a good place with the Lord? Let us lay hold on eternal life, so that on that fateful day where the Lord appears, we will receive the commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful to a few things. I shall make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21. And say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. This hope that we have is premised upon the promises which our good God has given to us. And our God is faithful. He does not lie. May we continue to trust in Him and look forward, look forward earnestly to the enjoyment of eternal rest with Him. Seated securely, firmly with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've prepared a short poem to, to end the sermon. Yeah, it goes like this. Life on earth is like a vapor. Here for a little while then disappears. There are moments of joy or laughter, 
and occasional sorrow, pain, and tears. Irrespective of what life may offer, a bed of roses or one that is void of colour, what matters is our focus upon the Master who has all authority given by the Father. The day of death is better than birth. That is the end of all men. Of those who live faithfully on earth, their good works will follow them. The blessings of being in Christ are plenty. As joint heirs with him to those who are privy. In heaven where all faithful shall dwell, when comes the time to bid farewell. To everyone who fights the good fight, keeps the faith and finishes the race, an inheritance awaits which God provides, reserved in heaven the eternal resting place. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This we hope to hear on the day of judgment, receiving the crown of glory, a treasured award. We look forward in earnest expectation of the day when we shall meet our Lord, to be seated with Jesus in jubilation, inheriting the kingdom prepared by God. What a day of rejoicing it will be to enjoy the presence of Jesus and God. This destiny, surely we all agree, will be our best hope and fitting reward. Thank you for your kind attention. I hope that the sharing has encouraged us to continue to, be, to stay focused and to stay strong in the Lord. The song of encouragement has been chosen. Shall we all arise as we